talk about John chapter 4. I don't normally take a lot of time to walk through the text, but I want to do it today because I think it'll help you to understand where we're going. First of all, remember two weeks ago we discussed this, uh, this, this verdict that has come down from the Supreme Court and, and we saw a depression fall across Christianity today where there was a lot of just people thinking the right thing to do was just get up and take this stand for what's right. Not against that. I think that's a good thing and I commend those that want to take a stand. But I feel as if what's happened is we've pointed at the wrong people to, to give blame to. You see, today it's not our job. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. <laughs> he didn't come to point his fingers at sinners and say, good night, you're shocking me, you're acting like sinners. No, he points to the church and says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. What the church needs to do today is look inward, not outward. We don't need to complain about the politics of this country. We need to be concerned about the state of the church. And then last week, we moved a little further into the Word of God, and we saw that there is, there is so much more to learn about the knowledge of God. As we looked to Hosea chapter number 6, we saw that there is a, a, a prophet here that says, one of the minor prophets, he says, come, let us return to the Lord. He's torn. He'll bind us up. He's smitten. He'll, rather, he'll heal us. He's smitten. He'll bind us up. It goes on to say this, that after all of that, after we return to God, then... We shall go on to know the Lord if we'll follow on to, to, to know Him, if we'll pursue the knowledge of God. Here's the sad fact is that most of us just know a lot of facts about God. And that shows off in our worship. That shows off in how we come to church. We only know facts about God. We have never truly experienced God. Many of us have just kind of not gotten past salvation. We've signed a contract with God to get us to heaven, but we've never gone into what I'm calling this morning the overflow. See, the overflow is something I'm beginning to experience, and it's tearing me up. It's just I'm having the time of my life because I'm learning something that I, I've never quite understood, and that is there is something more to the Christian life than just going to heaven. And that's what I want to introduce you today in this story. Verse 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. There's a lot in those three verses, but time will not permit us to stop at every one. Boy, there's good stuff there, though. And he must needs go through Samaria. I believe the reason why he had to go through Samaria was because we're going to learn something about the hatred that Jews had for Samaritans and the hatred that Samaritans had for Jews. You know, sometimes I think we're mistaken with the idea that, you know, the Samaritans didn't really hate the Jews. You know, no, they, they hated the Jews, okay? There was a great hatred here between both of those. And so Jesus goes through Samaria to accomplish something to fight against this, this hatred amongst these people. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, kneeled to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well. So Jesus comes to this well called Jacob's well. It's the evening time. It's the sixth hour. He sits on the well. Just a little fact about Jacob's well. It's still there. Pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't that a cool fact? It's in northwest Jerusalem. It is 3,500 years old. It is 100 feet deep. It's about a half mile out of the city, outside the city of, of Sychar. It's still there. And so Jesus sits on this well, and there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus says to her, give me to drink, a natural request. 
a natural request. I mean, just give me, could I have a drink of water? And then she responds, rather it says first disciple, excuse me, we're going away into the city to buy meat. So he was alone with her. Just a little, another quick fact there, just all alone with this woman. And she responds, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, and, and notice the sarcasm. Would you do that with me for just a moment? Because I think sometimes we kind of get sarcastic with God too. But you're not going to outwit God, okay? It's just not going to happen. And so she gets kind of sarcastic and she says to him, how is it that thou being a Jew, are you serious? Are you really asking me? We hate each other. You're a Jew. I'm of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Can you understand the hatred they had? She says, are you, are you kidding me? In other words, today in 2015 language, here's how it would be. It'd be like this. Somebody says something like Jesus says to her. Here's what we would say today. You talking to me? Are you really talking to me? Just to bring it down to where we're at, kind of the context of how we would speak today to someone who we are shocked they're speaking to us. Are you really talking to me? Jesus answered, and, and first of all, notice the way he answers. I mean, I, I think the idea here is that, you know, you know who you're talking to, but you have no idea who's talking to you. And Jesus says this, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, if you knew who I was, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman says two things to him. She has a complaint or two. She says, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. That's the first problem. You know, you, you want to give me living water? I'm not sure I understand what that is. Maybe it's like the water underneath all the other water. Maybe there's some kind of special water in this well that I don't know about. First of all, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. And secondly, the well is deep. So where are you getting this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Sarcasm again which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and the children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall never thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water. Pay close attention to this phrase, springing up into everlasting life. Then the woman says, Sir, give, give me this water. She's starting to get it. She's like, okay, all right, all right. Sounds pretty good. Give me this water. I'm interested. G give me some of this water, she says, that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. And then Jesus says, I'd love to, <clears throat> so go call your husband and, and, and tell him to come hither. Jesus says, I, I want to do that, but first we've got to deal with your sin. Before we can do this, we've got to get some things out of your life. And so then the woman says, uh, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know you don't. And she said, he says, I, 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 you've got five husbands, and he whom thou hast now is not thy husband. And that thought said, it's truly. More conversation goes on. They argue a little bit about worship. There's some conversation. Look at verse 39 just to speed the story up a moment. And many of the Samaritans of that city, at the end of the day, listen to what happened. They believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. 
It never actually tells us the woman got saved. We can kind of think maybe that she did. And when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. A revival started. There was an overflow of the Spirit in this community. People were getting saved left and right. And he said it to the woman, now we believe. And rather, they said it to the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And by the way, just for a moment, if you're with me, if you're listening, that's what we need to happen in this community. We need such a stirring of the Spirit of God that people in, in, in and around us, in our neighborhoods, in our restaurants where we work would say, You know, uh, uh, there's something you've got that I need. It's, it's very obvious. That, that, that you've got something I don't have, and, and I'm interested. And they won't say it like Jesus says it. They may not use the phrase living water like we're going to use this morning, but he is the Savior of the world, and people need to know he can quench their thirst. And so Jesus is the answer to the hurt in every human heart. That's the thing we've got to understand. Every human heart has hurt, and he is the answer. So let's look at our community. How many people live in Hot Springs, Arkansas? Uh, Well, about 35,200 people live in our city. So let's just talk about those 35,200 people. You want to go a little farther, get a little more excited? Let's talk about Garland County. Over 96,000 people live in Garland County. So we're close to 100,000 people just within about a 10, 15-mile radius of where we are sitting this morning. This is our Jerusalem. And there is a well here. Every Sunday morning, we come to the well. Amen. And here we are again. And Jesus is looking to see if we're thirsty. How thirsty are you this morning? Some of these are that live in our community are senior citizens who are not lost, who are not saved. They're lost. People that are in their 60s and 70s and 80s in nursing homes and living in retirement communities and in the village that don't know Jesus. Others of these 35,000 or 96,000 are infants who, who have just been born, like little Elena, that will, will, will soon, if the Lord tarries, find out that they have, she'll find out at some point she has a thirst, something that nothing else will fill. Some of those are teenagers. Some are middle-aged. But I know something about 100% of these people inside of every person in Garland County, inside of every person in Hot Springs, Arkansas, there is this place, this space, that if Christ is not filling it, every person, this is, this is true about every person, if Christ is not filling it. You see, in Scripture, it is called a thirst. But, but it's not for water. The Bible calls it a hunger. Are you listening? But it's not for food. It's a longing for something that Almighty God has placed in us. And when God made us, He made us with this longing for Him. He made us with that. So people often go through life trying to fill that empty spot with all kinds of things. So I made a list of some things that people try to fill that empty spot with that only Jesus can fill. Number one, substance. Let's call that alcohol. Drugs, in case you're feeling pretty good so far, food. Now we're all bumming, aren't we? We feel it with substance. Things I put in my veins, things I put in my lungs, things I put in my stomach, just makes me, you know, this will do it. This will fulfill that longing. Others try to fill it with relationships. A lot of people are trying to fill it with relationships. In fact, personally, I believe that 
this is the number one problem in the church. People are trying to, they think, well, I, I, can, I can fill this longing with a girl. I can fill it with a guy. Uh, husbands are thinking they can do it, fill it with their wives, and wives are thinking, you know, I can fulfill that with, with a husband or my husband. That's a lot of pressure to put on a human being. You're putting a lot of pressure, Mr. Dad, on your kids if you're depending on that relationship to fill the empty spot that only Jesus can fill. That's asking way too much of your kids. And you're asking a lot of your wife, Mr. Husband, if you think that, that she's going to be able to fill that longing that only Jesus can fill, you're putting a lot of pressure on your spouse. Number three, accomplishments. Men are really bad at this. This is the stuff I get done. And we feel really good about the stuff we get done, you know? I mean, whether it's building a building or buying a house or, you know, or, 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 or completing a to-do list or being successful or building a business. And so we start thinking really, really like, this is it, man. I feel good about these things because I'm getting things done. I'm successful. Material things. We try to fill it with houses and cars and boats or just, let's just call it the next thing. The next thing. Well, I'm tired of that. <laughs> let's go shopping again. Get something else. Bored. Material things. Some people are trying to fill it with experiences. Exciting, adventurous things, you know. Uh, America is an adventurous people, and, and so we're always looking for the next trip, the next hike, the next climb, the next surf, the next something to fill this emptiness. Hey, it's Saturday, it's Sunday, let's go to the lake. Hey, I, I, gotta, I gotta fill. There's something inside of me. I just, I just gotta do something fun. Do something adventurous. I put three things together here. Others try to fill it with sports, entertainment, sex. And you can kind of define those things in the context of which you live. But they soon find out that none of those things fulfill that emptiness. I think one that maybe we overlook is church. I think a lot of times we just think, you know, I'm going to church. I'm okay. I'm going to fill it up with church. I can't wait till Sunday comes and I sit in a pew and see what the pastor has for me today that I will enjoy for 45 minutes and not practice all week long. I'll see how good the worship is today. I'll see what songs they sing. It'll be really good for a few minutes. And so we come to church and we think, that'll fill it. I'll be a church member. Everybody needs to go to church, right? And yet that doesn't fill it either. Because the emptiness inside of the human heart can only be filled with an intimate, growing, personal, dynamic relationship with God. And I want to go farther than that and say today, every day, not, not just a Sunday, but a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday. Are you with me? And a Friday and a Saturday and then Sunday. And then let's start over again. And the next Monday. Amen. I mean, 24-7. This is awesome. It's a growing relationship. It's an intimate relationship. It's a dynamic relationship. Listen. When Jesus saved us, that was just the beginning. You see... This on, the, on the, this on the screen right now that you're looking at, the emptiness inside the human heart can only be filled, that's not salvation. See, we think, church, and since most of us probably either are saved or maybe we, we think we're saved or maybe there's some here that aren't, but nevertheless, there are many people in our church that would say, I'm saved, but I don't have that. I don't have an intimate, growing, personal, 
dynamic. What's that? I'm going to heaven. But what's that? I don't know what that is. That's what makes you talk about Jesus all week long. That's what gets a hand in the air. That's what gets a dance in your step. That's what gets a shout in your heart. That's what gets you... You can't wait to see what God has for me. Not just on Sundays, but every day. That's the sweet, still, small voice that constantly speaks to you. Go pray with that person. Go talk with that person. And you can't wait to do it. You're like, that is so cool. Thank you. I'm going. I can't wait. Because God is so real to me right now. That's not salvation, folks, okay? That's not salvation. I'm beginning to learn that there's a whole lot of people in church just sitting back like this. I'm saved. I got the contract signed. You don't mess with any other part of my life. And God says, your problem is you don't realize what you're thirsty for and you're trying to fill it up with all kinds of things that aren't satisfying. And at the end of the day, you're still thirsty. You see, salvation removes the barrier to intimacy with God. Salvation removes the barrier so we can have, have, so we can have this growing personal dynamic relationship with God. That's, but salvation is great. Listen, I know I'm going to heaven, but that's just the beginning. So I brought my favorite drink. This is my favorite drink. My kids make fun of me. It's called Pellegrino. I'm Italian. Don't worry. This is, looks like a wine bottle. It's Pellegrino. Don't get nervous. All right? And so if you don't mind, <clears throat> anybody else thirsty? <laughs> Am I making you thirsty? Uh, I love this. I love that it's sparkling water kind of like with a little carbonation. So it just, I just love the look of that. <sighs> I drink about one of these a day. Got to get them at Sam's. They're cheap. It's a little over a buck, you know. That's all I need, man. Dante, you know what I'm talking about? It's good stuff. Lecrae likes this, by the way. So I drink water to quench my thirst. There's something about a cool glass of water just going down. I mean, there's nothing like quenching your thirst. If you've ever been super thirsty, if you've ever had just dry, parched lips, your tongue or your throat is dry, and you take a sip of water and you quench your thirst, here's what Jesus is saying. What water does for your body, I want to do for your spirit. That's the illustration. So he uses water to say, you know how good that feels? You know how amazing it is to quench your thirst? Hey, Eric, you know how much you like a, a glass of Pellegrino in the evening? Just to, it just relaxes you and it gives you just a feeling of satisfaction. I want to do that for your spirit. Wow. It's beginning to come alive. Look at verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall... Not literal water, not water water, not water water, but living water. God, the Holy Spirit, the water I give him shall be in him a well of water, not water water, springing up into everlasting life. God says, I want to do that for you. And so as we transition now to John 7, I want to ask you a question. If not now, when? When are we going to do this, guys? How many more years y'all want to wait? You want to wait till 216, 217, 218? How many, how many more years do y'all just, just want to be saved? Anybody? 
Everybody always want to stay where we're at. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here. I'm just saying, hey, I, I've been in church way too long to want to stay where I'm at. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not interested in just the status quo anymore. I'm just not. I'm just not there. I just can't. God is, there's too much potential. There's too much God wants to do. This world is a mess, and the church has an incredible opportunity. This is incredible. People's hearts are wide open for the gospel. They're searching for something. They're thirsty for something. So if we're not going to wait till next year, let's just, let's just start praying right now. God, send the rain. Send the rain. Pour out your spirit. So what are we going to do? Where are we going to go to get equipped and refreshed and refocused? Let me give you five steps, and we'll be done. And I'll give them to you quickly. These are five steps that God says. Let's go back to John 4 for just a moment where it says, springing up into everlasting life. Then go to John chapter 7, if you don't mind, and look at verse 37, and we'll, we'll give you these five steps. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. And again, I, not time to develop all of what that is, but, 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 but enough of this story is just given to us when we see Jesus standing up and crying. He's not talking like you sometimes like preachers to talk. Hello, how are you doing? God bless you. Thanks for coming. Oh, you're great. No, he's crying out. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to church. I want to ask you something. If any man thirst, you know, I sound like I'm crying out. How many of y'all think Jesus, when, he, when it says he cried out, it means he probably cried out. Amen? He cried out. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If any man believes in me, when you're saved, if you've got salvation, as the scripture says, if you're saved, this is the kind of life you can live. Out of your belly. King James says. You probably got something else if you have a different version says something else. King James says belly. Out of your belly. Out of your inner being shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. What is that that God's asking me to get in on? Are you serious? Okay, so if I believe, if I sign the contract, if I say yes to Jesus, if I, if I admit my sin and, and ask forgiveness for my sin and ask Jesus in my heart, do all that stuff, Get that done, then after that, there's something else? Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. That's when it really gets good. It gets really good. You don't have to worry about singing, It will be worth it all when we see. No. It can get good right now. Like right now, your belly can overflow with like rivers of living water. Dude. Where do I get in on that? Number one, you've got to have a genuine thirst. You've got to have a genuine thirst. That's the first thing. Notice in Scripture what it says here in verse number 37. If any man thirst. Don't miss this. Number one, ain't no use in going on to number two if you ain't thirsty. Ain't thirsty. You're like 9:52. Hope he hurries. You ain't thirsty. 
You checking your text messages right now? You ain't thirsty. If you're like, man, this preacher is way too loud, you ain't thirsty. I mean, come on, too loud. Really, I'm just excited. If you're like, you know, man, I can't wait till lunch, you ain't thirsty. You're hungry for food. But you're not thirsty for living water. You see, the reason why so many of us are not thirsty, here's why. You know why you're not thirsty this morning? Because you're all filled with something else. You're filled with the stagnant waters of self. We fill ourselves up with self. Self. What I want, what makes me happy. And God can't fill that which is already full. God can't fill you. Because you're full of something other than what God wants to fill you with. You know, it's interesting, but a thirsty man, a real thirsty man, will pay anything for a glass of water, won't he? I mean, what if you were in the desert, you'd been there for days, you know you're about to die, it's almost over, you can feel life leaving your body, and somebody starts coming across the desert with a glass of water. And, and you, it's not a mirage, it's, it, you see it, and they say to you, would you like a glass of water? And you say, yes! And they say, how much will you give me for it? Well, first of all, let me just say this. In America, it's official for years. We've been paying for water. We don't want, you know, we, we, hey, it's amazing. You go to a third world country, you won't drink water out of the faucet. Trust me. You will always buy bottled water. And you don't care how much it is. I mean, I've been to Papua New Guinea. Look, they can charge me $5 for a bottle. I ain't drinking their cotton picking water. I'm buying the bottle of water. And, and by the way, I'm going to make sure the cap is not, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. Make sure it snaps, right? I'm going to read the, where was it made? I mean, I want to know a lot of details. I, I'm thirsty, but, but I'm, I'll pay for it. Just give me the real deal. A thirsty man will pay anything to get a glass of water. And we've got to feel that way about this. We've got to be desperate. So desperate that whatever it takes to get that glass of water, I'm willing to get it. I'm thirsty. I want what God has. So let me encourage you with a great truth. I don't have to persuade God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I have to permit him to fill me with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg God to fill you. He wants to fill you. You don't have to persuade God. Just permit him to do it. And I don't know how much of God you have, but I know this. You've got as much as you want. Let me prove it to you. Matthew 5, 6. Look at it. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You want God? God says, great, I'll fill you up with God. Just be empty. Just be empty of self, and I can fill you up with God. Do you have a genuine thirst? Number two, absolute surrender. That's what verse 37 is all about after it says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Let him come to me. Empty yourself of yourself and be filled with him. Absolute surrender. Desperate to be filled with him. Just God, I'm all yours. I come to church every Sunday. That's what I want to be. I want to be so empty that the worship can just fill me up. Because I want to go out and just be overflowing when I leave church Sunday. Amen? I want to be overflowing, man. I want to be so fired up that I can hardly wait to get out of this place. I know too many places. You go to church and you walk. Thank you for the sermon. God bless you. Thank you for the sermon. It's just over, man. It's like people can't tell you an hour later what the dude preached on. You know, We can't remember the worship songs an hour later. I'm not being critical, I'm just saying that's, that's kind of par for the course. We just kind of go through the motions. 
What God wants is to fill us up. And then number three, simple appropriation. Now, this is an interesting one because it's just two words. But look, it says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And drink. Desert scene again. Ready? Desert scene. Guy comes up to you with water. You thirsty? I'm very thirsty. I have some water. I can see that. That's really good. That's amazing. You have a glass of water. Is that really water? It's really water. Awesome. I think that's just amazing. I think it's great that you have water. I'd really like, I like water. Eric, go get the water. Quit talking about the water. You know that song, Let's Talk About Jesus? Hey, sometimes I wonder if all we do is just talk about Jesus. We just talk. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in it. We sing these little songs in church. But are we living it out throughout the week? Are you ready? Drink the water. Drink Jesus. Drink him. Drink him up. Get filled up with him. A simple appropriation. There comes a time when we must do what we have heard and seen. Quit talking about it. And do it. Let's get out there and do it. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's make a difference. God wants you to drink of this living water. It's the power of God, and it's appropriated to you. It's not something, look, if you've got $1,000 in the bank account, right? Sean, you've got $1,000. What bank do you bank at? Arvest. So you go to Arvest, you've got 1000 bucks in your account. You walk up to the counter, and you look at the lady behind the counter, and you say, ma'am, here's my account. Would you please listen? Please give me $100. Please, I beg you. I'm asking, please, please don't say no. Don't say no. I need $100. Sir, you, you got $1,000 in here. I know. I know I do. I'm just begging you. Could I have 100 of it? She's like, it's yours. You don't have to beg me for anything. Here it is, sir. Simple appropriation. That's God. God says, the power of God is yours. It's yours. You want some? Just be empty. That's all I need as an empty vessel. You don't even have to beg for it. Just be empty. Look, it says, and drink. Next statement. It's cool. He that believeth on me. That's it. Just believe him. And he'll fill you with his spirit. Number four, personal refreshment. The fourth requirement is you've got to have that personal refreshment you you've got to understand that your life is not what it ought to be you got to kind of come to god like that wilted flower right anybody ever seen a wilted flower ever, ever anybody ever watered flowers that don't look good and what happens when you come by the next day it's like they go from you know the next day they're like man that's amazing what a little water will do i support a little water on that wilted flower and jesus says I see you all wilted there. I see you all. Oh, well. Well, yeah. And God says, hey, <laughs> I'm what you need. I can refresh that. I want to pour living water on him who is thirsty. Think about John 4, 14 again on the screen. Look at it. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him shall never thirst but the water that i shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up hey wilted springing up in an everlasting life and then finally number five 
and I'm done. Constant overflowing. Constant overflowing. Oh, this is awesome. Constant. Not just on Sundays. Look at verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. More than salvation. That's what I'm big on right now. I'm really big on that. More than salvation. Because I kind of think that we have just gotten really comfortable with, with this saved thing. That's just our little security. But I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I go to church. I'm saved. We don't want any more. You want more? God says, I'll give you more. I mean, I'm talking about so much. Listen to what God wants to do. So much that you explode. Explode. I mean, you're like this about God. You're wide open. You're like, it's just, it's just over. You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever seen a cup just overflow? That's why you have a saucer to catch the overflow, right? You, you ever talk to somebody who's like this? I mean, they, they, they're just full of energy and excitement. They, 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 just, they just love to talk about God. An overflowing Christian is one who is having his needs met and his life is overflowing and he's meeting the needs of other people. I think that's in your notes. He's meeting the needs of other people. Listen to me. We are not to be a sponge. Ah, oh, got it. I got it. I'll get. All right, make sure I get out of here. And if you get away, okay. Oh, get, get that. We're not to be a sponge. Ready? You ready for this? I'm going to do the best I can. 50 years old. We're not to be. We're to be a spring. A spring. I mean, like this. Like, whoa, man. I love you, Elijah. God's good, isn't he? Woo. God's so good. Thank you, Jesus. Not, you can't have any of mine. I'm hanging on to it. No. I just, just bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I want to be a spring overflowing. You know what we want to happen? We want to happen Monday night at Teen Revolution, a week from Monday. Here's what we're coming out with, an explosion. I told the worship team, we ain't singing no soft song that first one. Let's come out with Jesus is alive. Hey, is Jesus alive? Here's how it is for some of us. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. How do you say that without springing waters coming out of your belly. It's good news. Do you know people whose lives overflow? Because just to be around those people is like really refreshing. When we're overflowing, we're probably being a blessing. We don't even realize it. That's what's going to be so cool about heaven. Is we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be like Man, I have been here 2,000 years, and I have met, like, I've met like 10,000 people that have walked up to me and said, thanks. I'm like, for what? They're like, for that sermon you preached in July at Gospel Light. I never told you, but, and I'm going to be like, you, you listen? You, you got it? You started overflowing? Yeah. Well, not, I didn't know going to happen you see overflowing people when you're overflowing you 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 don't know the impact you're having let me give you an illustration screen matthew 25 this is it i was hungry he gave me meat i was thirsty he gave me drink 
I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. What you talking about, Jesus? Huh? When did we see you hungry? We fed you. I mean, I can't remember. What? Thirsty? We gave you drink. I'm lost. When, when were you a stranger? We didn't take you in or naked and we didn't, we clothed you? Or when were we sick and in prison and came? I explain. And the king says, well, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you, you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. See, all that overflowing, all those prayers, all those times you were kind and waitress, all those times you said, can I pray with you about something? All those times you walked up to somebody and just said, God loves you. All those times you had no idea that is what they needed. I, 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 know, I know you didn't know all of this, but now that you're in heaven, I want to let you know you impacted thousands with your overflowing life. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. We can turn... A county of 98,000 people upside down for Jesus Christ if we'll live this kind of life, not just on Sundays, but be a river of revival. And so Jesus asked this morning in closing, are you thirsty? Then come and drink. Are you thirsty, Christian? Are you thirsty? Come and drink. Don't just talk about it. Don't just nod your head. Do something about it. The only thing that can really make me a blessing to other people is Jesus Christ flowing out of me. So here's my prayer this morning. God, give me a holy thirst for you. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you need to respond to this invitation,